Thank you for listening to this audio from Trinity Presbyterian Church in Spartanburg, South Carolina. For more information about Trinity, visit our website, trinityspartanburg.com. Bring your Bibles to church. I mean, really. There are pew Bibles. You can grab one of those if you'd like. But good to have an open copy of Scripture before you when we're studying Scripture. doesn't really make sense not to. And it's better to have a print copy than your phones because you're going to be distracted by your phones. Okay? So let's pray and look at Galatians 3, 1 through 5. <laughs> we'll see. Galatians 3, 1 through 5. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ and his reigning over all things, especially the church. We thank you for his humiliation, his sacrifice. Thank you for his keeping of the law. Thank you for his righteousness and justice. And Father, we pray that you would bless us as we look into your word. And we know that from beginning to end, this word is about your son. And so I pray in looking into it that our minds would be filled with his glory. And that you would feed us and strengthen us and prepare us for whatever hardships and difficulties, trials that we face in the coming week. I pray that you would uh, once again bless us. Father, we have asked for that so many times and you have richly blessed us. And so we ask that you would continue to pour out your blessings upon your people. Father, we pray for the churches of Evangel Presbytery this morning and ask that as they gather together that your spirit would be present in their midst and that the teaching of your word would accomplish its purpose and that the preaching of your word would be received and heard with power and delivered with strength, again, because of your spirit's work. So bless us richly this day again, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so Galatians 3, 1, let's read 1 through 14. And this is the word of the Lord. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? So then, does he who provides you with the Spirit and works miracles among you do it by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Even so, Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are, the, who are sons of Abraham. 
The scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, All the nations will be blessed in you. So then those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham the believer. For as many are the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law to perform them. Now that, one, now that no one is justified by the law before God is evident, for the righteous man shall live by faith. However, the law is not of faith. On the contrary, he who practices them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. In order that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. This is the word of the Lord. Okay, so back up to the top. We covered verse 1 sufficiently, I believe, in the previous two weeks. (laughs) Half of a verse each week. We went through the Apostle Paul's use of invective, uh, aggressive exhortation, whatever you want to call it. Um, He talks about them being bewitched. He calls them foolish. And then last week we... We focused on the second half of verse 1 in um, that very um, interesting way that the Apostle Paul talks about the preaching of the Word of God, that, that it was as if Jesus was placarded before them. It was this, as if they were seeing Jesus publicly portrayed before them, of course, He was not publicly portrayed in that way, but through the preaching of the word, through the eyes that were given by the Spirit, um, the preaching of the word was was so powerful, it was was tangibly before them. All right. And then we take up his continued uh, intensity with the Galatians. And there's this phrase, this is the only thing I want to find out from you. He's like, I've got one question for you. I mean, seriously, I've got one question for you. This is, this is what I need to know. I mean, he's still like, he's still going after them, right? He, he, he feels the weight of the sin of the people of these churches, Right? They, they are abandoning the gospel for another gospel. And so he's not about to be collegial in this. He's not about to just say, well, here's some things for you to consider, Galatians. He goes after them, right? Um, and so I, you know, if, I think I didn't read it very well, but I, I think you have to put a lot of intensity in this passage when you read it to convey the meaning even better. And so he's like, this is the one thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law, on the one hand, or by hearing with faith? 
Now, how has it come about that you have been born again? How has it come about that you have understood the things of the gospel? How has it come about that you have the Spirit residing in your hearts? Is it because you're smart and you, you have a master's degree? No. Is it by... Um, is it by breeding? Your parents were, were Christians, therefore you are automatically in? I'm not saying God doesn't work covenantally and there's normative ways that he works, but I'm saying is that the cause? Is the faith of your parents the, the cause of your regeneration? Absolutely not. Was it by the keeping of the law? Was it by... Some of you do a deep dive into the Old Testament and say, well, I think I'll, I'll keep these dietary laws. I think I'll work on keeping the dietary laws. Right? Ezekiel bread and all that. No, I don't, I don't even know what that is. Everybody talks about Ezekiel bread. Um, but it's never cooked over dung, so... Um, or human excrement. Was it, was it by means of availing yourselves of all those ceremonial laws of the Old Testament, right? Keeping yourself ritually pure, able to, you know, you, you raised goats and pigeons so that you could let their blood out and sacrifice. Of course, you didn't have a temple to do that in, right? Was it, by, was it by flawlessly obeying the Ten Commandments? Right? You reached the standard, you met the standard, and the standard you kept. You never once coveted, or you used to, but now you don't. Right? And so the minute you stopped, the, God was so impressed with it that he, he said, well, that person deserves the Spirit. They've earned it. Was it, was it that way, or was it simply hearing with faith? You heard the gospel preached, you read the gospel message, and you're like, yeah, I believe that. That's true. And not only is it true, um, not only do I know the content of it, not only do I think it's true, I, I actually trust in that message. Knowledge, assent, trust, right? The three parts of faith. Knowledge, you've got to know something about Jesus Christ. Assent, you have to, you have to, um, you have to uh, know the truth of what is being taught. And then assent is you have to, Trust in it. You have to rest in it. Your salvation is dependent upon it, and you realize that, right? And so we would all say, I mean, right off the bat, we would say, oh, that's an easy one. It's, it's by hearing with faith. And that's what the Galatians are abandoning, that simple truth. How did you receive the Spirit? But none of them are going to deny that it's 
hearing by faith, right? And the Apostle Paul is now, is now going to hone in and, and move the argument a little bit, right? I don't even think the Pharisees would say, yeah, we're saved. I mean, the Pharisees would say we're saved by grace. I mean, it just everybody says that. The Roman Catholics say you're saved by grace, okay? Everybody says that. But then, what is the balance of your days? What is the rest of your pursuit as a Christian? Okay? And what is the, what is the meaning of justification? And, and that's what we're going we're gonna to talk about this time. And so he wants to know, first of all, how did you receive the Spirit? And then three, are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Okay, that's the Pharisees, right? That's the Roman Catholics. You begin by the Spirit, saved by grace, through faith. But you're perfected by the works of the law. Okay? Perfected by the works of the law. Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Right? Those works that the flesh does. Okay? So they had heard the message of the cross. They had accepted it. And at one point, the Galatian Christians had the Apostle Paul preaching there. He's preaching in power. They accept his message. They know the absolute necessity of the cross. They're not, they're not nullifying the grace of God. Right? And, and making the, the death of Christ superfluous because they believe in the grace of God. And then along comes these Judaizers who say, yeah, wait. How in the world can we throw out Moses? We've got to make some room for, for the law. How does it fit into this paradigm? Right? But remember... The end of chapter 2. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly then there was no reason at all for Christ to die because you could be saved by just getting better at doing works. Grace, unnecessary. Helpful maybe, but ultimately not necessary. Just get to work. You can do it. You know, you can do it on your own. So the works of the law in, in general, I'm taking to mean any human merit. Anything we do that we think merits us the favor of God, anything we do that we think will impress God, anything we do in the flesh, right? Anything we do with our hands and our, and our minds um, that we believe gives us merit. And then contrast that with hearing with faith, hearing with faith. And that's a sort of stand-in, in my mind, for God's grace, the graciousness of the whole of Christianity. 
How are you saved? Not by the keeping of the law. You are saved by faith in the Son of God. And that faith is not even something you can take credit for because it is a gift. Even that's a gift from God. And so it's grace entirely. Okay? Because you're dead. All the works that you did before you came to faith were just sin because they were not of faith. Okay, so everything you thought you did, everything we could have thought we did to earn merit actually was demerit. It was the exact opposite of what we thought it was. Right? Even if you got a PhD from Harvard. Doesn't count. Just demerit. What's that? Especially. PhD from Wofford. Notice that they didn't earn the Spirit. They did what? Did you, what is the next word? Receive the Spirit. Did you receive the Spirit? He doesn't ask the question, did you earn the Spirit? Did you, did you work your way up so that you, you uh, were awarded the, uh, the Spirit? No, did you receive? We receive the Spirit. It's God's absolute sovereign grace over mankind, whether or not you receive the Spirit. Can you accept that? That is a very hard thing for us human beings who, who really like to, to take credit for things. It's really hard for us to accept that. I think there are churches full of people, full of people, and maybe ours, who can't accept that God is gracious and there's nothing I can do to earn the gift of the Spirit. I think that's very, I, I think it's just far more common for us to think very, uh, think a little too highly of ourselves. And think that, you know, we're, thank God that he hasn't made us like other people. Swindlers, unjust. I mean, we honestly, at the end of the day, often think like that. We're just comparing ourselves and we give ourselves the benefit of the doubt. And it's so terrible, right? We're comparing shades of absolute black. And so we have to come to terms with that, that, that God is sovereign over salvation. If you have the Spirit, if you are regenerated, that means He chose you before the foundation of the world. And it just obliterates all human pride. You got nothing to boast in. Zero. There is nothing you can take credit for. There's nothing you can boast in. It's all the work of God. That's what the grace of God is. Now, are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? So then, does he who provides you with the Spirit and works miracles among you do it by the works of the law or by hearing 
with faith. The, the Judaizers were causing the Christians in these churches to deviate from the truth, right? Just to pivot a little bit from the truth. But all deviation from the teaching of Scripture is foolish, right? That's why he calls them foolish. Are you so foolish? Deviating from the message of Scripture, which is... Um, perspicuous, right, clear, easy to understand, deviating from the message of Scripture is foolishness. I mean, go to the book of Proverbs and you'll learn what the fool is, right? But the preeminent fool is the one who knows what Scripture says. Paul had preached there. They accepted the gospel. They knew the gospel of grace, right? But the fool turns away from the clear teaching of Scripture for something else. That could be the doctrine of the Trinity. That could be the, the bifurcation of mankind into male and female. Right? That could be the bodily resurrection of Jesus, which a lot of people have trouble with. Right? That could be the final return of Christ, which is being debated in reform circles right now. Some have said it's already happened. Scripture speaks to that. <laughs> okay? They are hype, there's, a, there's a strand of hyper-praterism going around right now that is destructive and heretical. And uh, some of the people that are flirting with it are men you would know. But anyway, but deviating from the Scriptures is foolish. And the Apostle Paul wants to know that they're being foolish. You're being fools. You fools. Who does that? And who does that? Who deviates from Scripture when the truth of Scripture is so stupendously glorious? Right? I think I'll have a meal of earthworms instead of having, you know, Beef tenderloin smoked on Will's smoker. I mean, to turn back to works from the gospel of the grace of God, but we're proud. Trust me, there's a Pharisee that, that always wants to break out in me, <laughs> right? Um, and then he gets to this question, you know, is the Christian life where you just, the pump is primed by grace, and then the rest of your life is maintaining the, the pump by your works. So just the initial point, that's grace, and then from there, it's if you don't keep the law, if you don't meet these standards you're going to fall away. Okay? Is that what, you know, he, he asks them about that. Did, did they just prime the pump with faith and then from there out they had to maintain their salvation by works? I mean, who holds such a doc, doctrine? Are there any examples we could think of of, of people who, of, of Christians 
who hold that idea other than ourselves on bad days. The founding fathers of our nation? Yeah, yeah, but I don't think they had a doctrine of salvation. I don't know if they even considered that God was a dispenser of grace to individuals. They definitely had him as a preserver and governor of, of all things, sort of the watchmaker idea. But I don't even know if they had a concept of grace, uh, which is very sad, which is horribly sad. But there are a lot of people who rewrite that history to sort of craft them into evangelical Christians, and I, I just don't know if we can do that. I mean, a deist then may be more of a Christian than an evangelical is today. I'll give you that. But did you have your hand? Somebody had their hand up. No? thought I did. The question we're, we're diving into is who holds to a doctrine of the initiation of the Christian life is by grace, the rest of the Christian life is maintained by works. That is Catholicism. Most definitely. But, I mean, can we go beyond, are, are there other examples of this? Is it just the Roman Catholic? How so? They require um, the works of the Holy Spirit to give you the gift of tongues. Yes. So there's grace and what they call a second blessing. And if you don't evidence that second blessing, sorry, you know, and so there's immense pressure on them to do that one work, right? And so for, I imagine through your teenage years, you're coaxing up the, the uh, courage to fake speaking in tongues. Now, that's a very uncharitable reading, but I'm going to stick to it. Okay, and that isn't to discount the fact that there were times of real tongues speaking. There were. But to make it uh, an, a necessary demonstration of a work of the flesh that you are saved is a work of the law past the primary grace that's given to you. And they call it second blessing. Okay, any other examples that might come to mind of faith just being the initiation and then from there, maintenance of spiritual life by human merit? Fundamentalism. Why would you say fundamentalism? Okay, um, yeah, uh, there's a very short and easily keepable list of things you can't do. 
And as long as you keep those things, you're still in, in, in the camp, right? But even still, if you believe in dis- decisional regeneration, I'm not even sure you believe the pump is primed by grace. I think you just think everything's a work of man. That's the tragedy of that. It may even be worse than Roman Catholicism. I mean, Roman Catholics do believe in some sort of grace. We'll see that in a minute. Yes. Yes, yes. Um, okay, well, it seems to be fairly common, this view, then, that, that God, God's grace initiates and then human merit maintains your faith. And remember, in the book of Galatians, as we approach these things, Paul is still not addressing sanctification. He's still just addressing justification, right? That... And so we have to maintain that focus as we go into this. Sometimes we want to pivot to start talking about sanctification, which is a different and separate doctrine, right? We don't want to conflate sanctification and justification as Roman Catholics do, right? We want to keep them separate. And what he's talking about is the doctrine of justification whereby God declares us righteous in his sight only for the merit of Christ imputed to us and received by faith alone. That's pretty close to the catechism answer, I think. All right? And so let's remember the whole to focus on justification. He's not moved on. He's asking them if they were justified by faith and then if they had to maintain their justification by the works of the law. Right? You'll lose your justification if you don't maintain your human merit from the point. And that is certainly Roman Catholic doctrine. The Catholic Catechism says this, No one can merit the initial grace which is at the origin of conversion. Okay. No one can merit the initial grace. Moved by the Holy Spirit, we can merit for ourselves and for others all the graces need to attain eternal life as well as necessary temporal goods. Okay, so initial grace, need it, and then, and then moved by the Holy Spirit, we can merit for ourselves eternal life. Notice how they say that. We then merit for ourselves. We do end... And notice they said we can merit for ourselves and for others. I can do so many good works that there's a superfluity of merit. And I can just hand that off to the, the treasury department. And they can apply it to somebody else somehow. Some transaction. So, that, I mean, everybody in the Roman Catholic Church is atoning for the sins of, of sinners. The saints are atoning for the sins of sinners. 
mean, talk about nullifying the grace of God in Jesus Christ. If my own works can be, can be so great that they can atone for other people's sins and, and allow them to come to eternal life, wow. Here from the Catholic Encyclopedia, justification, the entrance, the, uh, the definition of justification in this Catholic Encyclopedia I have, primarily and simply, justification is the possession of sanctifying grace in its Christian theological meaning. So they're already putting sanctification and justification together. However, before this possession can be accomplished, there must be baptism And this is preceded by faith and acceptance of the consequences of belief. Thus, the Council of Trent. Do we know anything about the Council of Trent? What was the Council of Trent? What was their main purpose? Why did they call that council? 1540s. Yeah, it's it's initiated the Counter-Reformation. It is a response to the doctrine of justification by faith alone. It's a response to the doctrine of Scripture alone. It's a a response to the Reformed faith. Okay, so thus the Council of Trent declared faith is the beginning of man's salvation, the foundation and root of all justification, without which, that is faith, it is impossible to please God and to obtain fellowship with his sons. Faith is man's assent to reveal truth. It is thus the basis of justification. We are justified by Christ and by good works, as declared in the epistle of James. <laughs> ah. Which is a bad interpretation of the epistle of James. Okay, But notice that we are justified by Christ... And by good works. Where does the merit for justification come from then? By the works of the flesh and by the grace of the Lord. That is synergistic. So let's read some of the Council of Trent. Sixth session, January 13, 1547. Okay? These are the declarations, and that session, the sixth session, was focused on justification. These are the canons having to do with justification. Now listen to this. If anyone says that man, this is canon one. If anyone says that man can be justified before God by his own works, whether done by his own natural powers or through the teaching of the law, Without divine grace through Jesus Christ, let him be anathema. And we're like, oh, this sounds pretty good. You know, I like where that's going, you know. Um, I wouldn't want to say that man is justified by his natural powers and keeping of the law. Okay. Canon 4, no, canon 7 If anyone says that all works done before justification, so before your justification, those works that are done. If anyone says that all works done before justification, in whatever manner they may be done, are truly sins, as I have already declared today, or merit the hatred of God, that the more earnestly one strives to dispose himself for grace, 
the more grievously he sins, let him be anathema. You know, the train's going off the track. They want to say that those works before justification not only are not sin, but they prepare you for the grace of God. Okay? And so that there's some sort of merit in those works, even before justification. And then they say, Canon 9, if anyone says that the sinner is justified by faith alone, meaning that nothing else is required to cooperate in order to obtain the grace of justification, and that it is not in any way necessary that he be prepared and disposed by the action of his own will, let him be damned. Okay? So they're saying, if you, if, like we teach, the sinner is justified by faith alone, meaning that nothing else is required to cooperate in order to obtain the grace of justification. Nothing. <laughs> or, you know, again, they're going back to those actions of the will prior to the act of just, the, the justification. They still want to maintain that there's some necessary merit floating around in those. Hang on, let me keep going. Canon 14, if anyone says that man is absolved from his sins and justified because he firmly believes that he is absolved and justified, or that no one is truly justified except him who believes himself justified, and that by this faith alone absolution and justification are affected, let him be anathema. Which is basically to say, if, if you think you're justified by faith... Right? Um, if you think you're justified by faith alone, you are to be anathema. Canon 16, if anyone says that he will for certain, with an absolute and infallible certainty, have that great gift of perseverance even to the end, unless he shall have learned this by a special revelation, let him be damned. Right? Anybody who thinks they're going to persevere to the end... Unless God has directly told you, like with a vision, you're out. Like no assurance of salvation. No, no doctrine of perseverance. Right? Because what, they, what do they not want to do? They don't want to suck out the importance of grace then works. They don't want to suck out the importance of those. So they'll maintain a, a, an unscriptural view of, of apostasy in order to protect their scheme of works. Of course, their scheme of works is making them a whole lot of money, isn't it? Go to St. Peter's in Rome. Okay, um, If anyone says, Canon 17, if anyone says that the grace of justification is shared by those only who are predestined to life, but that all others who are called are called indeed but receive not grace, as if they are by divine power predestined to evil, let him be anathema. Right? So the whole doctrine of predestination just condemned us as heretics. Canon 24. If anyone says that justice received is not preserved and also not increased before God through good works, but that those works are merely fruits and signs of justification obtained, 
not the cause of its increase, let him be anathema. Now that's the doctrine of where works fit into justification. We say that works prove justification. When we work, it's proof that we've been justified in God. They say if you hold to that doctrine, you're out. You're a heretic. Canon 30, the last one. If anyone says that after the reception of the grace of justification, the guilt is so remitted and the debt of eternal punishment so blotted out that no debt of temporal punishment remains to be discharged, before the gates of heaven can be opened, let him be anathema. In other words, justification, in their views, gets us about 78% of the way there. And then the last 22%, we've got to do it. Which is, is crazy if you believe justification is based on the merit of Jesus Christ, the absolute unblemished Lamb of God having been slain and having so much merit that that merit would easily save everybody who has ever lived. Right? Sufficient for all, but efficient for the elect. Okay? Okay, so what's the summary of all these statements? We're saved by faith, completed by works. We are initiated into the faith by grace. We run the race to heaven based upon our own merit. Oh, it's so depressing. Can you believe how... Can, it's no wonder that Roman Catholics are always guilty. You know, it's just a, a, a suffused in guilt. It's a guilt, it's not a grace-based faith, it's a guilt-based faith. And, and again, I sound antinomian. I don't care. <laughs> it's the risk you run. It's the accusation that the Roman Catholics always make against the Reformed and Presbyterians, that you're antinomians, you don't believe in the law. No. No, not at all. Not at all. But when it comes to justification, it better sound like I'm antinomian. You can't contribute. And when you are declared righteous, you are declared fully absolved, fully righteous. You are clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You should wake up some mornings and want to dance if, you're, if the doctrine of justification is on your mind. You might want to get depressed if you wake up and the doctrine of sanctification is on your mind and you know that there's growth and work to be done, right? But, but let your justification in Jesus Christ encourage you. Encourage you. Now, we could go, I don't have time, but we could go to the Westminster Confession of Faith. There's a chapter on justification. We could go through that and see just how wonderfully contrasted it is to the councils, the canons of Trent on justification. And what it does, it just constantly keeps coming back to, isn't Christ glorious in all of his merit, his love, his compassion for sinners, you know? He's done everything for you, right? And when you believe you are justified, 
you are declared not guilty. You have, you have the glory of living a life where you know that God has said, not guilty, you're my child, come live in my household. Yes, there are household rules, but we'll, you know, I'll discipline you and, and you'll come through. But you're my child, you're my, you're my son. You're, you have taken my name, the name of my son upon yourself. You are justified. That's glorious and strangely hard for prideful humans to accept. I think it's much easier, it'd be much easier for me to accept a Roman Catholic scheme and then think way too highly of my works, right? I, I, I mean, that's, that's Martin Luther early before his conversion, right? He just confessed and confessed and confessed and confessed. It was very rigorous and rigorous, rigorous, searching for that, and yet never finding... Um, never finding freedom, the freedom that comes by justification. So we'll stop there, but the summary of the Westminster is we're saved by faith, we're completed by faith. Christ beginning to end, Holy Spirit beginning to end, right? Father's love set on us beginning to end. All right. We'll stop there. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the doctrine of justification. Thank you that we begin by faith and we end by faith. And that Jesus Christ has been our Savior. That the cross of Christ was so potent that the sins of all the ones you had chosen before the foundation of the world were were completely dealt with. Father, I pray that that knowledge would fill our hearts with joy and that those sins that sort of, sort of lodge in our minds and, and depress us, Father, that we would lay even those at the foot of the cross and remember that, remember that, that we have been brought near by the blood of Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.